Welcome to my podcast, Mike Cohen joining you. This is my series of podcasts. I'm a city councilor, Code St. Luke, and decided to do a series of podcasts with city council members, introduce them to you. We start off with Stephen Erdley, who, like me, uh, we ran in the same election when there we, we demerged. That was 17 years ago. I, of course, represent District 2. Stephen, you represent District 4. Welcome to my podcast. And perhaps you could first start off by telling people, where is District 4? What does it encompass? Hi, Mike. First of all, thanks for inviting me to the podcast. So District 4 is the southwest corner of Cote St. Luke. So if you can imagine uh, the corner of Cote St. Luke Road and Westminster in the vicinity, uh, the district is quite a mix. You have single-family homes, uh, you have duplexes, townhouses, condos, and apartment buildings. Uh, and I think it's that mix that makes it very interesting and uh, and a dynamic place to live. Stephen, your 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 day job is a head of school at Solomon Schechter Academy. So why don't you tell people, what do you do every day at Solomon Schechter Academy as head of school? So I've been uh, I've been at Solomon Schechter Academy. I'm proud to say for ten years as head of school. And uh, I guess in my day-to-day, -day, my goal is to manage the, the school and make sure everything runs smoothly. Uh, so in terms of the main priority, obviously, is the academics. Uh, but I'm involved also on, you know, every other aspect of the school uh, in terms of the finances, in terms of the building, in terms of fundraising, uh, in terms of HR, uh, human resources. Uh, you know, one of the priorities right now is to to do some renovations at the school. So we've been working quite a bit on that, uh, making sure the classes, uh, making sure the classes are more dynamic and flexible in terms of flexible seating and making sure financially we're, we have the resources we need to support our students. Uh, and why don't you describe the school a bit? Uh, how many students are there and what is its forte? So Solomon Schechter Academy, it's a Jewish day school in Montreal. It's from preschool to grade six, and we have just under 500 students. All right, terrific. So Stephen, um, uh, you decided that you wanted to become a teacher, um, uh, but tell us the road that you took to become a teacher. So when I started university, I was, uh, I was studying and, and my first degree is in science and biochemistry. And I have to admit, when I started, I thought I was going to go and do research and, and follow the master's and PhD route. Uh, and it was after I finished my my first degree, I uh, decided to, well, take uh, two years off at the time and ended up teaching English in Japan. And, uh, and I loved it. You know, it was an amazing experience. I came back and decided that that was the route for me. So I went back to school, did a, a degree in education and specialized in teaching high school science and high school math and taught uh, for many years and eventually became a department, science department head, uh, vice principal, principal, and uh, and now head of school at Solomon Schechter, where I've been for the last 10 years. Of course, we worked together at the English Montreal School Board, which is where you worked. You were at Marymount, you were at Westmount High, you were at Hampstead Elementary School, and very briefly, uh, on the on the group to potentially try to create a Wallenberg Academy in the former Wager building, Wager High School. So we, Stephen and I, had have multiple connections. And uh, your wife, Randy, is also a school teacher. Yeah, that is true. I uh, she's a teacher at Gardenview Elementary School, 
Uh, no, I have great memories of uh, working the MSB and, and working with you on that level. Uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm so happy where I am now. I go to work each day, each morning, smiling. And I come home smiling at the end of every day. So, Stephen, uh, let's go back to City Council. Let's just touch briefly on your district. Uh, perhaps you could share some of the issues you're working on as a district councillor. Then we'll move to portfolios. Yeah. So in terms of the district, there's a few issues. Uh, one of the main ones is dealing with water pipes, in, in particular dealing with lead uh, lead service lines. Uh, what we're seeing is that it was the homes that were built uh, before 1970, often in the 50s and 60s, where there was lead that was used for the service line that was connecting the water main that's under the street to the home. Uh, so one of the things we've been working on is to get a sense as to how many homes are affected by this and to, to budget towards a long-term plan. So we uh, we haven't got that long-term plan yet, but we know it's going to be a significant cost. And uh, we're working on, on making sure we have the financial resources to help with that. Uh, in terms of the district, though, a few other things, uh, a few other issues I deal with. Uh, there's complaints about the trains and, and noise from the train, uh, security issues. And one of the things I worked very hard on was to get the police station, when it was moving from its location on Cavendish and Kildare, to come to the district. Uh, we also have some issues with landlords. Uh, most of the apartment uh, building owners or landlords are great, but we have a few that are not necessarily doing what they should be. So one of my goals has been to, to deal with them and uh, make sure they are keeping the neighborhood nice and clean and, and their buildings well-maintained. And uh, I would say one more is the parks. Uh, working on upgrades, to, uh, small upgrades to Fletcher Park, for example, uh, where we put in a new climbing structure, a shade structure. We're working on some lighting and and putting a bathroom in there uh, for next year. Uh, there's upgrades to Richard Schwartz Park, including some upgrades to the splash pad and Earl Park, where a new piece is scheduled to be installed. A new piece of equipment is scheduled to be installed this summer. So those are some of my priorities. And, uh, you know, I, I would say the last thing is that I... I try to do drive-throughs in the summer, some bike-throughs or walk-throughs of the district as much as I can uh, to keep an eye and try to be proactive. If there's a street light that's burnt out, I'll I'll report it beforehand before a resident does. If there's graffiti, try to report it. Uh, you know, signs that are old or you need to be replaced. So it's to try to maintain the district as much as I can. So we moved to portfolios. We all have portfolios as city councillors. And uh, one of your main portfolios is finance. You've been doing it now for about nine years, I believe. Uh, yes. what, well, tell, tell us, what are your what's your focus uh, on, on that portfolio? So this year's budget uh, was probably the toughest. Uh, you know, the last 10 years, our average tax increase has been less than 2%, has been about 1.6%. Uh, this year, the tax increase was just under 6%, which was 5.95%. And the largest reason for that was the agglomeration, which is the, the central city or island-wide city, uh, city government, passed on an increase to Cote St. Luke of about 15%. Uh, so we we had to revisit our budget, and, and, and not just once, but a few times, including the treasurer, the city manager, the department heads, the directors, and look at ways to well, to cut or reduce the increase, keeping in mind inflation is around 6%. So what they're able to do is bring down our local 
increased to about three and a half percent while still trying to maintain services as best we could uh, so that we can end up with a, a tax increase closer to inflation. Uh, although again, we hoped it would be lower. Uh, and one of the main causes there is the increase in valuation. Uh, residents at the end of 2022 uh, got their increase. Uh, and this I should mention is decided not by Cote St. Luke, by the central city as well. Uh, but the average residential increase for homes and, and duplexes and so on in Cote St. Luke was about 39%. If we compare it to the, the average on the island of Montreal, it was about 32.4%. So because of that increase, it also gave the uh, the central city, the agglomeration, an excuse to pass on more costs to not just Cote St. Luke, but most of the, the demerged cities. So one of the things we're working on, and this is something the mayor and Councillor Berku, uh, you know, as well as myself and our treasurer, Angela Marino, are working on is to minimize the effect moving forward of the changes in the valuation and changes of the role when we compare ourselves to Montreal or, or the rest of the island. So working on new formulas, it's not going to be an easy process. I can already tell, uh, but, you know, we are persistent and we're going to continue to work on this one. Stephen, so in that portfolio, you also chair the audit committee, which meets regularly and really keeps uh, a very uh, close eye on the finances from A to Z in the city. Yeah, so it's been uh, it's been really nice being and, you know, and especially chairing the audit committee. Uh, so we've been looking at a few things. Uh, you know, we're looking at different departments and and trying to focus on different departments at a time, one at a time, and say, okay, how can we improve the the back end and and mostly on the financial side, but even you know even affecting the customer service side. Uh, you know, as example, we looked at the urban planning department. Uh, how can we simplify the process for residents to apply for a permit? Uh, you know, I I did it myself. I was doing some renovations in my home. And as I was doing it as a user, I was thinking, okay, how, how can we make it easier? And, and on the financial side, of course, we need to make sure that we're doing it properly so that the city is, is getting all the funding it needs. Uh, and of course, that it's simple uh, to use. So I would say, you know, it's, it's looking at that. It's looking at best practices from other cities and uh, making sure that, you know, the, the financial uh, I would say the, the expenses of the city are spent well because we are all, all the councillors, we're all taxpayers ourselves. And and we think of it almost as if we're spending our own money. Uh, so that's why we take, you know, take it to heart anytime money is spent and we make sure it's done properly. So moving to the environment, climate change, uh, this kind of started uh, with your teaching background and you brought it to council right away. That's, that's another important uh, item for you. Yeah, so there's been a few points that we've been working uh, very closely on. Uh, I'll share just a, a few of them. I, I would say one is water, is the use of water. Uh, you know, what we're seeing is that we've managed to, uh, we managed to reduce the number of water main breaks. And I'm very happy about that. Uh, we've done quite a lot of sleeving. So about a quarter of all the pipes in Cote St. Luke have been sleeved. So in other words, we put a protective layer on the inside to prevent water main breaks, and we've reduced the breaks by about 65%, uh, if I compare the last 10 years to the previous years. Um, now, our next phase is to try to encourage residents to use a bit less, and, and that'll come in a few ways. Uh, one, we're doing a pilot project with, with water meters. Uh, so in the next year or two, about 380 homes uh, and duplexes and, and condos and so on 
will get uh, will get water uh, will get water meters, uh, about fifty in each district. And the goal is to get a better sense of the water use from from the residents in Cote Saint Luke. We're also going to be updating our water use bylaw to put in some restrictions in terms of when residents can water their lawn or wash their car and so on. The, the goal is to minimize the water use. Uh, a few other points. Uh, one is in terms of lighting. Uh, if you drive along Cote Saint Luke Road, along Cavendish, uh, along parts of Westminster and uh, parts of Macklin Kildare, you'll see what we call the cobra heads, which are the the lights that are usually in the middle of the road in the median or on the side. And uh, we've managed to replace already about 782 street lights with LEDs. And I have to say, I haven't seen a single one burnt out. Uh, these are lights, not only are they more environmentally friendly and save us money, but they'll last, you know, an estimated 20 plus years as opposed to our regular lights, which have to be replaced every few years. Uh, the next phase there are what we call the co uh, sorry, the next phase are what we call the cubes which are the lights along the smaller streets or side streets, uh, and those should be done over the next few years. Uh, another point that I'm working on is waste. Uh, we've managed to reduce the amount of waste going to landfill by about 24% and increase the amount that is being diverted by about 166% through programs like the Organic Waste Collection or Brown Bin Program, the expansion of Blue Bin, Recycling, uh, Bulky Waste, and at the same time, we want to go beyond that. And we're working to encourage residents to recycle as much as possible. In terms of trees, um, we were in a tree deficit for many years, mostly because of the emerald ash borer. Uh, we had to cut down over 2,000 trees uh, since 2013. And I'm happy to say last year in 2022, we finally turned the corner and are now in a tree surplus of about 300 trees. And that's thanks to planting about 2,400 trees plus uh, giving out another 220 trees. So finally we're in the surplus and, and we're gonna continue that way. And uh, we're looking at a few other initiatives. I'll, I'll just share one last example uh, is in terms of fireplaces. So we're looking at the use of fireplaces in Cote St. Luke in terms of how to minimize the smog, especially in the winter. Uh, so you'll be hearing more about that in the coming weeks and months. Now, my residents will be interested in another one of the portfolios you've been involved in or one of the projects. Uh, we had a committee during the last mandate dealing with the major hydro project where they were going to replace the towers and the wiring. And it, then it just hydro just put a big hold on it. Um, where do you think we're headed with that project in the next couple of years? So, so yeah, so Hydro-Quebec is working on a large project to upgrade the line from Akaduk to Saragay. So Akaduk is uh, basically the, the substation that's right near the water filtration plant and Saragay is up in uh, in the borough of Saint Laurent. And they're, they're going to be replacing the line along with the substations that are on that line. And that includes what's technically called the Hampstead substation, even though it's in Cote Saint Luke, it's just behind Mount Sinai Hospital. Uh, so all of that, that entire line will be upgraded to uh, a line with a higher tension or higher voltage. Uh, now, we need it. I, I mean, it's it's a it's a tough one, and I can understand the concern of residents. Uh, we need this because our infrastructure goes back to 1955. Uh, and think about that for a moment. You know, uh, you're using, you know, if someone's using a computer that's five years old, it's uh, it can be it can be already dated. Uh, but imagine the the software and and the substation goes back to 1955, and we've had a few issues. Uh, and if I think back to the last few years, 
there's been a few times where there's been power outages that have knocked out the entire substation area. So which is almost everything west of DeCarry, let's say between, you know, between the highway, between the 15 and St. Jacques. Uh, and it's happened a few occasions. So uh, the new towers that we built will be taller, will be higher. However, uh, one of the nice things is because you're increasing the voltage, you're actually decreasing the current, which means the electromagnetic, uh, electromagnetic radiation will actually be less. So I would say for residents, for health and safety, and, and I'll add we had the city hired an independent uh, consultant and engineer to look at this uh, to give a second opinion who whose results confirmed hydros. But what we're seeing is it'll be they will be uglier. I hate to say it because they'll be taller, but they'll actually be safer because they'll be higher up and further away from from homes and and townhouses and so on. So this is a project, though, I should mention that will take about 10, 15 years. It's not something that will be done overnight uh, because keep in mind, we need to maintain electricity. Uh, so they'll be doing it in phases. Uh, but it's a project I, you know, I'm keeping a close eye on along with the council. And uh, as it moves forward, we'll, we'll continue to report to residents. But I, I guess just to your initial point, uh, the project, we started working on it just before COVID. I would say it, you know, COVID slowed things down along with, you know, uh, I would say the cost of things over the last few years with inflation has gone up. Uh, but it is a project that will be happening and, and we're going to make sure that we do everything in our power uh, to minimize the effect on residents. So Stephen, one last topic to share with you, and that is um, Bill 96. You've been very uh, outspoken on Bill 96. Obviously it affects your day job, but you've been kind of leading the, the charge for <coughs> Cote St. Luke to pass resolutions and for Cote St. Luke and all the other municipalities to uh, take legal action to defend ourselves on that matter. Yeah, so Bill 96 is one that uh, touches me personally. Uh, you know, I I believe, you know, I believe that there's a time where we have to say this is not acceptable. This is this doesn't make sense. Uh, and Bill 96 is one of those occasions. You know, if I think back to the original charter of the French language, you know, if you read the the preamble, it says that the the charter of the French language, Bill 101. Uh, was created, though, keeping in mind respect for the English-speaking community. And I don't see that in Bill 96. And, you know, when it first came out, I, I actually took the time, I read through the, the 100 plus pages of the document. And, you know, there are multiple points where it went from saying that uh, French must be used to French must exclusively be used. In other words, that no other language can be used. And, and if you think of just a, you know, just an example with contracts, uh, it used to be you could write a contract and both parties in the contract, there'd be a fine print that said the parties agree that the document be written in, in English. Uh, that is no longer an option. And, and even for a city like Cote St. Luke, if we are negotiating with, you know, and, and let's say someone in our legal department is English speaking, we're negotiating with a supplier with a, an individual who's also English speaking, in spite of that, the contract has to be written in French. And and the amount of money that's going to cost us not just on translation, but time and energy doesn't make sense. Now, when I looked over the bill, there were quite a lot of clauses that that I found offensive and, and not acceptable. However, uh, you know, speaking to the lawyers, we realized we had to focus on a few. Uh, so we focus on we're focusing on five of the clauses. And I'll just mention them really quick. 
you know, one is that it allows the the Office Québécois de Langue Française to to search or seize any documents, any computers without a warrant. They can enter a city property and and take whatever they want without any notice. And again, that's something we can't accept. Uh, in terms of requiring uh, bilingual cities every few years to readopt resolutions, uh, I'm happy to say that all 48 did adopt the resolution. But my concern is that, and this this almost happened, you know, and a quick story, it almost happened. One of the mayors I was talking to almost missed the letter uh, from the OQLF saying that if he didn't respond within 120 days, they would lose their bilingual status. And it was only because it came out the article in the Gazette and, and all the, the media hype. And I worry in a year or two or three from now, when it's not necessarily on the media, someone loses a, a paper, gets misfiled, and we don't want that to happen. Uh, and two more clauses. One is that the, the Minister of the French Language can withhold any government grants uh, without, you know, with any due process. And in the case of Cote saint louis we get a few million dollars in grants, mostly what's called the TECQ or the Tech Grant, which funds our road repairs, our pipe repairs, and so on. And the last one is that technically cities like Cote saint louis are required to be a police to uh, to punish our employees or even subcontractors who don't comply with the the rules of Bill ninety six, and it's something we we will not do. Uh, so these are some of the the most egregious clauses. Now, what we've been working on is to try to get other bilingual cities. There's about eighty cities in the province Quebec that have bilingual status, and our goal is to convince them to join us in a legal case where we will fight. And uh, of course, we hope to win. Uh, we've had a few sessions, and I, I want to take a moment to thank the mayor and and Councillor Burku and uh, Andrew Sharon, our our uh, our director of legal or legal services, uh, who've been working so hard on this. And uh, you know, we hope to to win in the end. Well, Stephen, you're a wealth of information. I think anybody who's listening to this podcast in your district will say, wow, we're lucky to have someone like Stephen Erdley as our counselor. We're lucky to have you on board. Thank you for your time. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. It's a, it's a pleasure to serve the, the residents of District 4 and the residents of Cote St. Luke. Great having Stephen Erdley as my guest.